This is episode 167 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life. Today's articles are Currency of the Middle Class After the SHTF, How to Build Your Ultimate Get Home Bag from Scratch, and Conflicted, Gangs and Innocents, What Would You Do? Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey, uh, just uh, been looking at the reports from Napa, the Napa uh, fire going on, and uh, it's... um, Man, it's pretty bad out there. So uh, our definitely our prayers are with you guys in California if you are there and you are affected. I think there's 21 plus dead. There's a lot of uh, uh, you know there's a lot of damage, and so uh, this is going to be felt for a while. So uh, definitely got to keep you guys in 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 mind and in our prayers. Um, like we always say, the the world is crazy. There's so many crazy things. Um, you know this thing here with the fire. Is uh, is really getting me to um, to think about natural disasters. Where uh, just recently I wrote an article about um, it's called survival uh, survival for the common man and uh, kind of where to start. And uh, you know one of the things that I've realized there's a lot of people who are into preparedness and a lot of people that are new to this podcast. So if you are new uh, to this podcast, if you are new to preparedness, I'd like to welcome you. I, I know that there's a lot of new people out there. Because uh, I, I see it in the in just in the growth of the podcast, and so very excited about that, and excited that people are choosing to prepare, or at least their eyes are starting to get uh, a little bit more opened, and, and their hearts are a little bit more ready to to uh, to, to grasp the fact that uh, this is a serious thing. And so I wrote this article because I want to focus on uh, the common man, because I I got I got to be honest with you, I love bushcraft. I love wilderness survival. I love homesteading. If, if I had in my perfect world, I mean, I would be there all the time. But the fact is, is that I live in, you know, in a suburban uh, neighborhood, a sur- suburban neighborhood of, uh, of Houston, Texas. And so, uh, you know, I, I look uh, like just a regular person, a regular common person if, you, if, you, uh, if we ran into each other, right? I'm not carrying buckskin. I'm not. I don't have a long uh, knife on. You know, I'm not carrying a long knife, or I'm not decked out in tactical gear and camouflage. And and uh, you know, there's some of you that are that are that are listening to this podcast. I know that some of you are living the life. You know, the dream on your homestead. And uh, man, I I that's great. I, I wish one day that I could be there. But the fact is, is that a lot of preppers are just your normal everyday common mom and dad maybe grandparents out there who are seeing the world and and realizing that it's crazy and uh, not only because you have like you know little crazy man in north korea and and you have all the other things that are going on in politics antifa and and you know the right and i mean you can just go all over the place there's extremes all over the place and you're looking at this and you're looking at the economy possibly but then you know you have things that are that are really can cause an SHTF, and one of those things is like this fire that the people in 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 Napa are are, are experiencing, or uh, Hurricane Harvey down here in the Gulf Coast, or or in Florida, or in Puerto Rico. I mean, they're truly experiencing a poop hits the fan scenario. Uh, Venezuela. I mean, you know, so you have 
all these things. And we're not talking about big, major, you know, nuclear war, EMP, super volcano, pole shift. We're not talking about any of that. It's just stuff that is, is common that can happen that can begin to, uh, you know, get you to look at your world and uh, start to look at it differently. So, uh, I haven't uh, read that article over there on edthatmatters.com. I haven't read that one over over here on the podcast yet. Uh, I'll get to it eventually. But uh, I'm looking at a, doing ser- a series on survival for the common man um, because you know I think there's a lot of preppers. I mean, a lot of the preppers that I run into, um, you know, your your common everyday normal, uh, you know, uh, American who looks at the world and realizes that things are a little crazy and it is prudent to uh, prepare so um, you know I, I see this thing in Napa and I start to think about that you know I start to think about uh, well how are these people um, you know coping with that you know what did did they get out in time uh, apparently 21 did not because there's 21 plus dead I think there's like 200 missing uh, so that 200 missing they, they said like it, all those people are not you know presumed dead they're just missing but um, I'm sure the, the, the toll is going to go up. And if you've seen some of those pictures, I mean, it's, it, it's, it looks like a, apocalyptic, uh, like something you would see in, a, in an apocalyptic uh, video, you know, uh, or movie or whatever. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy. But, um, you know, what are these people, you know, did, did they, were they able to bug out? Did they have their, their documents? Did they have important things that they needed before they had to, to, to get out? Uh, did they wait too long? Did they, you know, those that maybe are on the cusp, uh, were they able to do things that, you know, could maybe possibly save their house? You know, all those kinds of things you start to think about, and that's why we prepare. All right, so um, I, I do want to send a shout out. Uh, Franco Rodriguez uh, sent me a, a, a note on, on Facebook, and I normally it's, it's on the, the Facebook uh, page, Prepper website page. And uh, I don't really spend a whole lot of time there. I spend most of my time in the Facebook group, the Prepper website Facebook group. Um, but uh, I did see this one from Franco, and I really do appreciate it. I mean, it really does help uh, a lot tremendously when, when someone sends me uh, you know, some feedback and they're appreciative. And he said, being able to follow your podcast has been a great pleasure. I've learned uh, plenty of things because you don't only offer me reliable information, but you open up new perspectives in what it takes to being prepared in case of SHTF. Keep up the good work and keep the good stuff coming. I also want to let you know that you have fans overseas as well. Greetings from uh, Germany. And that's uh, Stuttgart, Stuttgart, Germany. So, Franco, man, uh, you know, I sent you a message back but uh, on, on Facebook. But I wanted to say, hey, I appreciate you listening and uh, you know, appreciate the, the kind words. And, um, you know, uh, thanks so much for listening from all the way from Germany. And, you know, I went back and I checked. And, yeah, we do have some listeners in in Germany. And so that's uh, that's awesome, man. So I appreciate that. Uh, The guy who runs sound for uh, for us at church, he's from Germany. And so he's here on a on a student visa going to school. So I have that little connection. But anyway, thanks, Franco, for your kind words. And then we received a review on iTunes uh, from Adam. Appreciate that, Adam, a five star review. Uh, he says, the most informative prepper po- podcast yeah, I can talk tonight. Uh, as a newly, fairly new prepper, I've been searching for a podcast that shares easy to understand and realistic prepping tips. This is by far the best one around. It's also nice to hear it from a Christian's perspective. Man, Adam, I, I do appreciate that uh, a lot, uh, more than you realize. Again, you know, it, it, 
the reviews on iTunes really helps out because it helps to get the algorithms going in Facebook and uh, keeps us, you know, at a place where people will easily find the podcast. But it's just a, it's a great blessing to me to be able to hear words like that uh, because it is encouraging, you know. Sometimes you wonder, you know, you're doing it, and, and sometimes you wonder if, you know, people are really listening. I mean, you know people are listening because they're downloading and all that kind of stuff, but um, is it really making a difference? And so I'm, I'm glad it is, and uh, I appreciate those kind of words. So thanks so much, Adam, uh, for that. All right, let's go ahead and get started on uh, the articles. Uh, I have two articles that, uh, I'm, you know, I'm really, uh, actually three, right? So it's Thursday. So we have, uh, I started doing the conflicted scenario, so I'll do that one at the end. Um, but uh, two, uh, two articles and then the conflicted scenario. Uh, so uh, definitely going to make for a great podcast. So let's get started. The first one comes to us from thepreppurjournal.com. Uh, again, thepreppurjournal.com. And this one's entitled Currency of the Middle Class After the SHTF. So let's start reading this one. We will be okay, Lydia. We don't really have to hoard up so much food supply. Besides, we got the gold and silver. What makes you think that we won't survive for a year when the SHTF? Don told his wife, For all my middle income earning preppers out there, this statement should be the last thing you tell your spouse. Honestly, they will skin you alive once you realize that this idealism of investing in gold and silver as the only form of currency is nothing but a paradox. Let us be realistic here. Yes, investing in gold and silver is a good idea, but it should be the last item in which you invest. Why? This is due to the fact that if you decide to invest mostly into this currency, the reality is that you will need lots and lots of it, probably a whole pickup truck of gold bullion, so as to be able to fully take care of your family's needs with the SHTF. From the research and tests I have done, I have been able to come up with these everyday items that I know will be far more valuable than your gold or silver during the SHTF. I shall summarize their functional content generally at the end of this article. Firstly, we have medicine. Investing in medical items such as painkillers, aspirin, antibiotics, penicillin, drugs, bandages, and gauze, basically medical items that you know people will need during the SHTF and storing large amounts of them will assure you even more gold than you can imagine. Throughout history, it has been seen that during an economic crisis, most pharmaceutical supplies will go to a complete standstill, especially if that situation has caused civil unrest. Most suppliers would not risk transporting their medical supplies. This, in turn, creates a lot of demand due to the limited supply. And uh, I'll just interject here. That is very true in Venezuela right now. Um, I have a, I did an article on Venezuela and uh, just pulling some uh, regular articles where doctors had kids who were just dying. And I've talked about this recently. So if you've been on the, you've been following the podcast, um, you know, people, kid or little kids that were just dying because they didn't have the nourishment, they didn't have any medicine. Um, little kids that that should have grown uh, a certain amount in, you know, in six months um, because they were so malnourished, uh, they they didn't grow at all. And uh, just very, very sad. But, yeah, there's a lot of doctors. They're making do with what they have, but they don't have anything. And so it's a terrible situation over there. But medicine is one of those things that people will look for and people will need. All right, moving on. Secondly, ammunition. Specifying on bullets and not actually guns. Just rewind back to the Wild West and remember how you could trade bullets for a can of beans. 
Usually the sale of ammunition varies from country to country. That is, if your country is prone to armed violence, then, it what, then it's wise to stock up on ammunition. If you have enough of these, then you can be able to barter, from, uh, barter them for other goods that you may not have. Seeds. Also in our list, we have seeds, which you know from history can act as a trading item. Though a word of caution, traveling with a very large stock of seed can make you a target for authoritative figures such as the police. Fourthly, tea, coffee, and alcohol. Most may not realize this, but these beverages have become conventional necessities, meaning that people have been using it so much up to a point that it has been labeled under basic goods as people can purchase it despite prices being high. These beverages are like water to some people, especially those who are addicted to it. If there is a financial collapse, as an example, most goods like alcohol will be impossible to find, but if you will be able to have a few bottles, if not a whole barrel of this item, then you will most likely get a lot of people who are interested in buying it. We also have sugar, salt, spices, seasonings, and honey, which can not only last for years and have also proved from the past to be one of the most expensive items of trade, some spices have multi-purpose uses. Examples are cinnamon, which has antiseptic properties, and ginger, which can be used in treating colds and flu. Some people who may not have enough money to buy medicine may opt for other sources such as the use of herbs and spices in preventing certain illnesses. If I use the word prevent because what these spices and herbs do is not necessarily uh, curing certain illnesses, but instead strengthen your immune system by improving the production of antibodies in your, in your body. Last but not least, your skills. Yes, what services can you offer people for pay? Can you hunt, brew beer, smelt, metal, farm, herd, deliver a baby? Yeah, especially this one. It would be a good idea to get to know of certain skills because an economic crisis may force a country to go back to the local economy whereby most goods are usually bartered and when it comes to the special skills that you have, this can label you as a very valuable person because of the scarcity of the people involved in that field. Other forms of currency include cigarettes, bar soap, fuels, battery cells, and even your food stockpile, that is, if you have enough of it. In conclusion, when disposable income is commonly available in one life, some may tend to spend disproportionately on a bunker, guns, and gold as opposed to the items listed above. I'm not saying these are not prudent investments, but accounting for hyperinflation, the prices of the items above will prove to be better speculative investments when the SHTF. After all, a single bullet chambered in a $125 handgun will convince one to give up any form of currency. Since the majority of us don't have much to spend on gold, but have just enough to feed our family and enjoy a few luxuries, still all under a budget, then I suggest you invest your money on these items. Alright, so a good article there. There's uh, comments where people are on both sides of the aisle here, and uh, some good comments and some good um, some good dialogue, I think. So you might you definitely want to go and check out the comment section uh, because you know uh, there, there's some good advice there, I think. And you got to see where you are. I mean, one of the things uh, that you know I, I try to do is provide the information, and you really got to reflect and come up with uh, with what best fits you. You know, uh, I do agree with the author that you know gold and silver is is valuable to have. 
but you definitely you need to be doing that. That's that's got to be the last thing. You got to get food. You got to get water. You got to get your basics down first, and then thinking through some of these things, uh, you know, about barter and stuff like that. I, you know, sometimes I, I I don't go. So let me say this: don't go into preparedness. Don't go into your supplies with the idea first to to barter, right? First, make sure that you are squared away for you and your family and for whoever you're preparing for. And then after you're squared away, then start thinking about bartering. Start thinking about, you know, what would happen beyond all of that other stuff, right? Um, I think the things that he, one of the things that he's uh, trying to make a case for is that these items that are listed are things that you're going to normally have. Uh, medicine, ammunition, seeds. Um, tea, coffee, and alcohol, you know, sugar and spice and all that, you know, all that stuff is, is, uh, you know, are things that you're going to have. And so, you, you know, you can, you can increase those, I guess, a little bit uh, as you go. But first, you got to make sure that you are squared away before you start thinking about bartering. But it does make up for an interesting conversation um, because if we were to, if things were to hit the fan and then things start coming back up again after things settle down, um, you know, people are going to want to barter. And so it depends on, you know, how, what it all looks like after after all that settles, right? Um, definitely some of these things, uh, like seeds, uh, you can plant seeds and you can create more seeds off of the plants that you plant. Uh, stuff like ginger, you can plant ginger is one of those easy things to plant. And uh, you start, you know, start that off and just kind of let it go. And it'll c- continue making, uh, you know, building those roots and, and uh, giving you ginger uh, year after year after year, and so um, you know, g- good stuff here. Um, I-, I think it's something to to think about. But then again, please, w- when you're thinking about starting and you're preparing and and you're you're looking at what you need to do, I'm gonna first say go back to my article, common, uh, you know, survival for the common man. <laughs> first of all, that'll get you in the right direction. But bartering has got to be one of the things that you're doing towards the end. You got to make sure that you're squared away first. But uh, it, you know, good idea here uh, in, in this article. So go check that out at theprepperjournal.com and definitely read the uh, uh, read. Click on the links. There's a lot of links, but then, uh, read the the comments as well. All right, this next article comes to us from skilledsurvival.com, um, and uh, a little excited to read it. Um, you know, there, there's going to be a lot of links in here to items that he's going to be discussing. But uh, those of you who are on the mailing list and you received my uh, my email this week, uh, you'll know where I'm coming from. I'm very excited about this, you know, this article, this topic. And, uh, you know, those of you who are not on the email list or maybe you got on after I sent out that, that email, be looking for some, uh, you know, some fresh ideas and things that I'm sending. Well, not fresh ideas, but... Uh, fresh resources that I'm going to be putting out on Prepper website, and I'll definitely be talking about them on uh, on the podcast on the Monday podcast next week. So uh, you know, very very happy to start releasing that out to everybody else, and uh, excited about what that would mean for people out there in the preparedness community. But uh, again, this one's from SkillSurvival.com. This is called "How to Build Your Ultimate Get Home Bag from Scratch." Uh, get home bags are, I think, are, are one of the the most important kits you should have. And so we're going to go ahead and read this one by uh, by Jack. 
and uh, you know see where we where we wind up and see where you are winding up uh, because you need to take into consideration the things that he's saying here. Uh, if you uh, very few of you will not have to take into consideration the things that are saying that saying here in this article. Let me put it that way, and he refers to that. So let's start building the ultimate get home bag from scratch. As a prepared survivalist, you should build a get home bag and take it with you wherever you leave, whenever you leave your house, period. Because if you can't get back home to your supplies and family, even the best preparedness game plan fails before it gets started. So let's cover in detail the following get home bag topics. What is a get home bag? What should build a get home? Why? Who should build a get home bag? The primary reason for having a get home bag, the best get home bag to start your build, and the 26 essential get home bag contents. What is a get home bag? Get home bags are more universal than building other types of survival bags. Why? Because even if you intend to ride out a massive disaster and not bug out, you still need tools and supplies to make it home. What good is stockpiling survival food, storing water, and resources if you never make it home to those supplies? The bottom line is if you get stuck across town, you need basic survival tools and supplies to help get home fast. As survivalists, there are several different bags we build for specific emergencies. So it's worth taking a moment to define exactly what a get-home bag is and what it's not. A get-home bag is a portable survival bag full of key supplies to support a dangerous trip back home during a widespread survival situation. A bug-out bag provides supplies to travel several days to move away from a dangerous location to a secure, safer location. A survival pack is a bag built for outdoor adventures. It includes survival supplies if you get lost or injured in the wilderness. It's a pack to take on a hiking, fishing, climbing, or hunting adventure. A medical first aid kit is a bag of medical supplies for quickly responding to traumatic events. An inch bag is an I'm never coming home bag. It's a bag filled with long-term survival gear, the equipment necessary for living a nomadic survival lifestyle because you're never coming home. Now, who should build a get-home bag? This one is easy. Everyone. Especially those in an urban setting who spend a significant time away from your home. Some people even call it an urban get-home bag. An urban get-home bag is a must for adults who work outside the home, students who spend many hours at school or on campus, and active retirees who are constantly on the go. Honestly, the list of people who don't need a get-home bag is a shorter one. If you leave your home regularly, you should build yourself a get-home bag. So the only people who shouldn't build a get-home bag are those who are homebound. If this is not you, then you should get yourself a get-home bag. Reasons for needing a get-home bag. Okay, so if nearly everyone should have a get-home bag, there'd better be a damn good reason, right? Yes, and there is one. A get-home bag is a basic survival tool. It's on the same basic level of preparedness as having a two weeks worth of survival food and filtered drinking water. And that's why everyone should have a get home bag as well. A get home bag helps you get home to your supplies and loved ones following a widespread disaster, especially ones that disrupt your ability to use modern transportation. A widespread disaster where you're forced to ditch your vehicle to hike home. But how many scenarios are there where you can't just drive home? Quite a few actually. The most likely is a massive transportation lockdown. Traffic jams happen in major cities all the time without significant turmoil. So as the first hint of widespread panic, what do you think will happen? Long-term gridlock. Or how about an emergency where roads are not passable? 
down bridges or destroyed roadways, roadways can become permanently unpassable. Then what? The most likely get-home situation is one where you or your loved one works at an office across town, a job where you spend nearly 25% of all your hours at. That's why you should build a get-home bag to help you make it home safely following a widespread disaster, especially during a disaster where panic rules the day. The best get-home bag to start your build. Well, we'll get into what exactly you want to put in your get-home bag shortly, but before we do, it's critical to choose the right get-home bag for you. You need one that's durable, rugged, portable, well-designed, and priced right. No old gym bags or free cheap tie bags, please. Do this right if you want a get-home bag you can depend on. The most important aspect of a successful get-home bag is its size. Too big and it's too cumbersome to carry and to take with you every day. A full-fledged 72-hour bug-out bag is too big for a get-home bag. Too small and you won't be able to take all your critical survival items with you. Purses, fanny packs, and small pouches typically too small for a get-home bag. You also want a bag that can handle real abuse. You want it made with tough materials and seams. You also want durable zippers that won't break or jam in wet or dirty conditions. It also helps if you get home bags. If your get home bag is well designed with lots of compartments for different supplies and quick access to the most important tools. Finally, you want a bag with colors that make sense for you. A camouflage get home bag may not fit in with your professional office setting. Get a black laptop get home bag instead. Here are a few of the best get home bag options. And so the article has uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, six different bags and uh, I guess links to Amazon and uh, the reviews and also the extras, the things that you can, you know, that are extra uh, according to that uh, specific bag. So uh, definitely worth looking at. Um, all right. And there's also a link that says check today's prices. All right, moving on. The 26 essential get-home bag contents. Stainless steel water bottle. You need a vessel that carries water, but it's important to choose the right type of container. You don't want plastic and you don't want double-walled. Why? Both plastic and double-walled water bottles are terrible options for boiling water. And boiling water is one of the best ways to purify contaminated water in a pinch. Plastic bottles will melt when direct heat is applied for boiling, and double-walled insulation makes it difficult to transfer enough heat to the water to get it to boil. Double-walled insulation is perfect for keeping liquids inside hot or cold longer. They are good at reducing heat transfer, which is the opposite of what you want if you're trying to boil water. In a get-home emergency, cold water or hot coffee is not the goal. The goal is survival. Plus, there's a chance a double-wall insulated bottle can explode under intense heat. Trapped air between the walls will increase in pressure when heated. When pressure rises to the point where the walls of the water bottle fails, well, that's called an explosion. So instead, get a stainless steel single-wall water bottle for your get-home bag. Always keep it full of fresh water so you have H2O at the outset of an emergency event. You also want several methods to purify and filter any water you grab while you're on the move. So number two and three are water filters and purification tabs. It's impossible to know ahead of time the number of miles you may have to travel to make it back home. Yes, you know your typical distance from work to home, but what if you have to go miles out of your way to avoid trouble? You'll need several days worth of water, but water is heavy so you'll need more than you can carry. 
but drinking from rivers, lakes, ponds, or streams is risky without the right tools. Natural water sources can be contaminated with viruses or chemicals that will make you sick or worse. So I recommend you pack a portable water filter and water purification tablets. You should pack a LifeStraw portable water filter. It's a portable water filter that removes most microscopic contaminants. Now, it cannot filter certain infused chemicals, but it filters a whole heck of a lot. You can check out our detailed LifeStraw review here. You'll also want to pack a few water purification tablets. These tablets are small and lightweight, making them a no-brainer for your get-home bag. Plus, they are simple to use. Just drop them in your water bottle and wait. Let the water purification tablets do its job to purify your collected water. The safest thing to do is both. Purify it with a water tablet and then use a life straw to filter it. Lightweight emergency shelter. You can't assume you'll make it back home in only a few hours of walking. It might take several days. This means you must pack a lightweight, shel lightweight shelter option for frigid overnight temperatures. Fortunately, this one's easy. Just add a Tactic Bivy emergency sleeping bag to your get-home bag. The super lightweight shelter is made of a thin material called Mylar. Mylar is a te technology originally invented by NASA. Mylar is powerful because it's an airtight material, allowing you to trap your body heat inside the bag. This keeps you warm enough to survive freezing temperatures. I know of no other technology that's as lightweight and as good at keeping you warm in cold weather conditions. I even tested the tact bivy in my backyard. It was a balmy 40 degrees day and within 10 minutes I was reading temperatures inside the bag in the 80s. See the image for proof. The tact bivy is a no-brainer get home bag essential. High calorie non-perishable energy bars. This may surprise some of you but food is actually a low priority for your get home bag. Don't get me wrong, you can stash a few calories, but you can survive several weeks with calorie depletion. So even if, I take, even if it takes you several days to get back home, you won't die of starvation. But it still makes sense to have a few calories to keep your energy level up, but with two conditions. First, calories should be a small percentage of your total get-home bag weight. The way you do this is to pack a couple of high-density energy bars. The higher the density of calories per ounce, the better. The other condition is the food needs to be completely non-perishable. You don't want any food in your pack to spoil or go bad if left in high temperature or high moisture conditions. That's why we recommend stashing these in your get-home bag and you'll be all set. A survival knife. Most survivalists understand how versatile a survival knife is in the right set of hands. A tool that can cut, slice, shave, and chop natural or man-made materials is a powerful survival device. Now, my get-home bag has a shoulder strap pouch and provides quick access in survival situations. See the image. I like having immediate access to my survival knife without rummaging through my get-home bag. I want to be able to get my hands on my knife fast and this setup allows me to do just that. 550 paracord or 550 paracord. The sheer number of paracord survival uses are vast, so you should always make sure you have paracord with you at all times. I wear a survival paracord bracelet every day, but if that's not your thing, you can always just roll some up and stick it in the bottom of your get-home bag. Oh, and make sure you know how to use it. It's not worth much if you don't understand all the survival possibilities. Small pocket sized radio. When it comes to emergency disasters, communication is key. The more information, the better. You can never have too much intel in a, catast in a catastrophe. 
but most radios are all bulky and heavy, right? Yes, most are except for the Catio Pocket Radio. This radio is tiny and powerful, which is perfect for your get-home bag. The biggest challenge with outfitting your get-home bag is keeping the weight down, but still having all key survival tools and needs. The Catio Pocket, Pocket Radio meets both these criteria to a T. 9 and 10 are solar charger with batteries. Another new technology that's worth a place in your get-home bag is Renegade Solar Charger. If you carry any electronics, you'll want to plan for continuing use of these devices. The best way to keep your radio and cell phone charged until you get back home to your family is to use the power of the sun. The Renegade Solar Charger is the perfect size and design for your get-home bag setup. Add some AA USB rechargeable batteries for the perfect setup for your survival gadget. Did you catch that? Yes, you heard it right. USB rechargeable batteries. Check them out. Number 11 is detailed topograph topographical map. If you were forced to hike 50 miles outside of your city to get home, would you know the best, safest route? Do you know where, where all the natural water sources are? This is where a local detailed topographical map is an essential item for your get home bag. You need to be able to pull out the map and plan your best get home route while looking at the terrain and the emergency at hand. Use your Catio Pocket Radio to get intel on the disaster and then use your map to figure out the safest, fastest route home. Are there cliffs where you live and need to avoid? What about swampy areas or steep ravines? Every city has unique terrain and a topo map helps you navigate this terrain in a worst case situation. You can find free digital topographical maps of your area online and print them off for your own get home bag. A quality compass. A map is great, but if you want to successfully navigate in unfamiliar areas, you'll also want a compass. Without a compass in dense forests, humans tend to naturally walk in a light arch. So over time, you can accidentally walk in circles if you have limited visual cues. Now, most people won't walk in circles in urban surroundings. You'll have buildings and roads to keep your bearings, but a compass is still helpful. I'd rather have a compass and not end up needing it than desperately need it but didn't pack one. A tactical pen. You should always have a writing tool in your get-home bag, but it's also handy for everyday life as well. Sometimes you just need a pen to sign a check or write a quick note. But why not upgrade your pen to a tactical one? A pen that you can use as a self-defense weapon in a, in a pinch. For survival, multi-use tools are ideal, so upgrade your cheap pen to a tactical pen. At the time of this post was published, you could pick up a strike, strike pen for free. Just pay for shipping. Click here to see if the deal is still available. Small medical kit. Oh, we're focusing on lightweight and small, so you can't build... Uh, so you can't build a full-fledged medical kit for your get-home bag. However, you should add a small one like this with the necessary items you'll need in a multi-day trek across your city. Make sure it's got painkillers, bandages, gauze, and antibiotic cream, medical items you need to help get you home safe. A tactical flashlight. You should always have the power of illumination in your pocket or get-home bag. Not all disasters happen in the middle of the day, and emergencies often include power outages. So, if you're in an office building and all the lights go out, do you have a high-powered LED tactical flashlight? You better. Don't settle for a cheap plastic flashlight that requires several D-cell batteries. First off, they're prone to breakage with very little abuse, and they're clunky and cumbersome. 
Instead, get a Firehawk tactical flashlight. It only takes a single AA battery. It weighs less than four ounces. It's super bright for its size and can't, can take a beating. At the time of this post went live, you should get you could get a Firehawk tactical flashlight for free. Just pay shipping and handling. Click here to see if this deal is still alive. Number 16 is high-powered taser. If you concealed carry a firearm with you at all times, then you can pass on this one. But for everyone else, you'll want something you can use to defend yourself in an emergency. Tasers are, are high-powered electrical devices that will neutralize the threat fast. You should have a tactical pin as well, but it takes some more, tra more training to use a tactical pin effectively. With a high voltage taser, it's as simple as pulling the trigger and lunging. A survival lighter. If you must spend the night in the wilderness or a dark alleyway, you'll want the option to start a small fire, right? Again, it's impossible to know all the different ways a fire might come in handy in a survival situation, but I want the ability to start a fire fast in a get-home situation. So, you can either go with a cheap lighter or upgrade to one of these best survival lighters if you want a reliable lighter you can trust. You could always go just go with the long-standing Zippo lighter or get or get an even more windproof waterproof electric lighter. The Tesla electric lighters is about as foolproof as you can get. And I got to say I have one of those Tesla electric lighters. Uh, I was going to do a review on it, but I mean they're pretty cool. Um, the opening is about the size of a cigarette. So you'll have to, uh, you know, you, you, you have to have something small to get it to pass through the lasers or the, the current or whatever to light it. But they are pretty cool. And the cool thing is that you can charge it with a USB. Uh, so if you have a charger, and actually that's the next sentence here. As long as you also have a means of charging it, hello, the Renegade Solar Charger. So uh, those are pretty cool. You might want to look into those. Uh, the Everfroggery Strike Matches and Stormproof Matches. You should always have multiple ways to start a fire. You never want to depend on your survival lighter in case you drop it in a river or it gets crushed underfoot. So consider adding an Everstrike match or some stormproof matches. Neither makes up much space, takes up much space or weight in your get home bag and are nice light insurance policies. At the time of this post, you could get the Everstrike match or stormproof matches for free. Just take care of the shipping. Tinder. If you're not experienced at starting fires, it can be surprisingly difficult. To be successful, you might start with a fine ignitable tinder, then work your way up to kindling it in full-sized logs. If you try to set, set a large log on fire with your lighter, you're going to be disappointed. The good news is you can prevent this disappointment with wet fire tinder. The last thing you need is a serious emergency in, in struggling to get a fire going. These remove that issue so you don't have to focus so you can focus on other get-home survival priorities. A rescue whistle. I've always recommended having a loud survival whistle as part of any survival pack or bug out bag. Sometimes in survival the goal is evasion while other times it's rescue. It depends on the circumstance at hand. But the sound of a whistle carries much farther than your voice. So if you do need immediate help or attention, a survival whistle like this one is an excellent tool to include in your get-home bag. A personal communication antenna. Occasionally there are cool survival gadgets that solve real survival problems. In a widespread emergency disaster, traditional means communications are often severed, so getting in touch with loved ones after such a disaster becomes impossible, unless you have a couple of GoTennas. Two GoTennas can create its own off-grid network with other GoTenna users. That way you can communicate with loved ones even if cell phone towers are down. While it's 
talking, well, it's, uh, taking you several days to make your way home. A worst case scenario, what do you think is going to, to going going on back home? Is your family safe? Are they being forced to evacuate? If so, they are taking them. If so, where are they taking them? Should they try to wait for you or follow the evacuation order? Who's got the kids? Who's got the dog? If you don't have a backup way of communicate to communicate, you have no way to coordinate these emergency decisions. I'm going to tell you the the GoTennas. Um, you probably aren't going to be able to communicate, you know, very very long um, uh, distances. So, um, but you, you know, it's a cool cool survival gadget. You might want to go look into it and go, uh, you know, check out the reviews. But you definitely, um, you know, you you got to be kind of nearby to uh, to be able to do that. Uh, at least within a couple of miles, if you have, uh, um, you know, if you if if you have a, a nice line of sight. All right, uh, continue, continuing on, uh, walk-friendly footwear. This is one of the larger items to add to your get-home bag. However, for some, it might also be the most important. If you wear dress shoes or high heels to an office setting, are you prepared to hike home in those? Not only will such a long distance cause blisters and hot spots, but you'll also slow your progress significantly. Maybe you can keep the boots and shoes in your vehicle instead of your get-home bag. That helps to keep your get-home bag keep your get-home bag smaller and lighter. But either way, find a way to include footwear you can rely on with uh, with your get-home plans. Hat, gloves, poncho, and socks. This one depends on your local climate and season. In the fall, I add a stocking cap and gloves to my get-home bag and use them every day. I also recommend adding a poncho jacket to your get-home bag. Getting wet and cold temperatures can quickly turn into hypothermia and survival. It's better to stash a poncho jacket with a hood and not worry about walking in wet clothes and frigid temperatures. I also keep a fresh pair of smart wool socks in my get-home bag. If you have wet feet for a prolonged period, you can develop trench foot. This is a nasty condition that can limit your ability to move quickly when moving fast is the name of the game. Hand and foot warmers. Hand and foot warmers are always a good idea in cooler climates. Frostbite at your extremities is a survival disaster in its own right. Have you ever tried to start a fire with frostbitten fingers? It makes this already challenging survival task nearly impossible. Stash these and you'll never have to worry about that. Then compact binoculars. You don't need to add ones that are larger and insanely high powered. The smaller, more compact, the better. You want the upper hand in an urban evasion and escape survival situation. Being able to spot potential threats will well before they spot you allows you to avoid these hazards. This is an un- underappreciated survival tactic and essential to getting back home safely. Additional items suggested by you, our readers. Here are a few additional items skilled survival readers have added to their own get-home bags. A survival bandana. There are many possible uses for a good survival bandana. Here are 23 uses as a matter of fact. Plus, you won't find a lighter or smaller piece of survival gear with so many uses. A small stainless steel collapsible cup. A cup can be useful can be a useful survival device, mainly for drinking or mixing. This one is highly collapsible and only weighs eight ounces. Plus, at the time of writing this, there was there was a buy one get one deal in place. Click here to see if this offer is still available. And then a pocket stove. A pocket stove is a simple way to start a small controlled fire to make meals or keeping fingers and toes warm. It's both lightweight and pocket size, making it perfect for a get-home bag. Get-home bag action plan. You now have all the information you need to take meaningful action. If you've read this far into the article, it's time to get this done. One aspect with all emergencies is they don't wait until you're ready. 
They happen when they happen, ready or not. Don't think back on... Don't think back on this article in the midst of an all-out panic and th- and this damn I should have I could have. Remember, there are no other no overs no do-overs in survival. So buy the the best gear home bag for you. Fill it with essential survival gear and take it with you whenever you leave the house. Did I miss anything critical that you added to your list? Let me know in the comments below and I may add it to the list. All right. So um, I think I think there's a lot of information here. Uh, the reasoning for a get home bag, I think, are numerable. I think uh, I like what the author said here, what Jack said, is that uh, I think anybody who travels, uh, unless he, like he said, is homebound, uh, is going to need a get home bag. Uh, I think it's very important. Now, your get home bag is going to, so let me say that. Any kit that you create, whether it is a bug out bag, whether it is EDC, whether it is get home bag, whether it's an inch, I'm never coming home bag. Um, your bag has to be specific to you. So reading a bunch of lists of things that you that, that are there are very helpful because they give you ideas. Uh, knowing what other people are putting in their, their various kits are very important because you get an idea of what is there. You might read somebody's list and say, wow, I never really thought about that. Okay, but that makes sense. And so let me go ahead and put that into my, my gear or let me see if that makes sense for me to have, right? And so you, you definitely want to keep, keep those things into consideration. But you've got to remember that your bag is your bag and that it's specific to your situation. So I don't have a dedicated get home bag for myself, uh, at least when I'm going to work. I have a backpack that I carry that I carry my laptop in and, and different you know work materials in. But then I have you know in the pockets I have components of whatever I need and it's there and uh, uh, you know I, I use those things on a regular basis you know and uh, if I w- ever had to uh, walk home I don't live uh, I don't work very far from home uh, but it would probably in, in walking it probably would take me. Uh, a good uh, hour and a half to walk home, uh, and so uh, you know, I I know that probably what I would be doing is I carry some water bottles at home at, at, in my uh, I leave them in uh, at work, and so I'd probably throw a couple of them in my bag and pick up anything else that I need out of my truck and then head home, and uh, that's the way that I would go. I like the idea of the shoes. The shoes have got to be very important, especially if you're a professional. And uh, you know, or you go to you go to work, or you're out and about. Um, you know, think about if you uh, if you're out and you get stuck and you have flip flops on, and and you have to make it home. And those flip flops, you know, you're walking a, a long distance and they break on you. What are you gonna do, right? Um, so we're not used to we're not cavemen. We're not used to walking barefoot. Um, that you know, there's some damage that can be done. So it's always good to have uh, some old tennis shoes. You know, like. Um, you know, you're, they're probably on their way out. Um, you, you bought some new ones, and uh, so, but there's still just a little bit of, uh, of tread there. And so, go ahead and put uh, some old socks in in those shoes and put them underneath a seat or in a bag or something like that in your vehicle. Or, or if you want to, you know, leave them at work. If you have the ability, if you have a little closet, if you have a filing cabinet, uh, I had when I was on the campus. And it never failed. Every time I got new shoes, it rained. And uh, my my afternoon duty was buses. So I, I took care of buses. And we had uh, some years we had like 17. And other years we had 21 buses. 
And because of the way that we were set up, I had to have them uh, come into uh, you know to our circle in a in a certain way. So I was out there. Um, I was out there directing everything and my shoes would always get wet. So I finally did that very same thing is, is I had some old tennis shoes, put them in a little plastic bag and, because they were dirty and, and nasty. And I would put them in the bottom of my filing cabinet. So if it rained, I would switch out shoes really quick and I have, wouldn't have to worry about that. But if it was a situation where I needed to walk home, I had those shoes there as well. And so I can put them on very quickly and, and head home and it'd be a lot more comfortable than wearing dress shoes. And so you definitely, and the ladies, those of you, like he said, you're wearing high heels. You need to make sure that you have something that's going to be comfortable to be able to, to, to get home in. And so when we talk about getting home, you, you also need to be thinking about that there's variations of this. So like I said, me for getting you know, myself home, I'm looking at you know, an hour and a half. Uh, those of you who maybe like live downtown uh, or something like that, I mean, you're traveling a long distance. It could be hours. And then there's some of you that travel really far distances or maybe you do uh maybe you travel like you actually travel for your job you're a, a salesman or something like that uh maybe you're in a car uh and uh you know you do outside sales and uh, you go to different cities or maybe you uh, you get on a plane and you hop on a plane and stuff like that that's a that's another serious thing that you really need to think about if uh, if you hop on a plane and you're a couple of states over uh, and if something happened, how would you get how would you get home? You know, those kinds of things. Um, what, one of the things I was thinking about when I was reading this is uh, a friend of mine that uh, I used to work with sent me a video of uh, I guess it's a guy reading a story about EMP. And uh, I kind of, you know, I kind of got into it a little bit, kind of, you know, it, it was interesting. I really wanted to like uh, it, it's kind of like radio theater uh, a little bit. Uh, he had some sound effects and different things like that. But I thought one of the cool things is this guy was like an electrician. I believe he was an electrician or worked for the cable company or whatever. You know what? I'm going to link it on um, on Prepper website because I was going to do that. I just never did. Uh, but so um, it's a YouTube video, but it's radio theater. And uh, he had uh, one of those foldable bikes in his in his uh, uh, in his van. So he was a cable cable guy or whatever. And so he had his get home bag with him, and then he had a foldable bike that he could unfold. And, uh, you know, if you're a traveling salesperson like that, that might be something you might want to be able to invest in a little bit. Uh, I think bikes are, uh, we don't talk about those enough, bicycles, uh, mountain bikes and things like that. We don't talk about those enough in preparedness. I think those are, would be very, very valuable if, uh, if things, you know, things went uh, sideways like we always talk about. So uh, again, make your make your kit whatever your kit is. Make it make it specific to you. Get the ideas of people out there because I think that's very very beneficial. But make it specific to you. There's a lot of links here, uh, a lot of items. Uh, the bags uh, are you know are interesting if you want to look at those bags and maybe go click one and go check it out on Amazon. But a lot of links here to different items uh, that you should consider. Uh, putting in your your get home bag or even in in another kit, so uh, go check that out over at uh, skilledsurvival.com. All right. So um, every Thursday I've been uh, I've been wanting to do uh, or at least put out uh, a conflicted scenario. Now conflicted is a card game that has uh, a, a poop hits the fan, 
uh, scenario, and you've kind of you know you, you got to talk about what you how you would handle it, right? And so uh, this last time around, when I talked about it, and then I linked it on Prepper website, um, there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of comments, you know, and so I uh, thought it was good. But you know, a lot of some of the people that were coming were like, I would never find myself in that situation. I would never be in that situation. And that's not the point. Uh, definitely, I'm, I know that I'm reading this to people. Some, a lot of you are new preppers, but I'm reading this to some people that have been prepping for many, many years. And so the idea is not, you know, hey, put yourself in, uh, take this scenario and 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 put yourself in your current situation, but use answer this scenario. The idea is to take all the knowledge that you have acquired in preparedness so far. And then put yourself in this scenario. What would you do in this, in the confines of this scenario? Because that builds critical thinking skills, right? It's very easy when you read a scenario and say, oh, I would never find myself in that. I would be, you know, I have this, 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 and this. I have, you know, 300 years worth of food and, you know, uh, you know, a million bullets and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, a bunker in, you know, the Arctic. And so you know, people, you know, it's like, that's not the point. The point is... Put yourself in this scenario right here with the skills that you have, the knowledge that you have. What would you do in this scenario? And uh, so that's that's the, the, the idea behind this. So let me go ahead and read this scenario. And then you can think about it and you can go. I'm going to link over to edthatmatters.com and you can go drop it in there. You know what you would do uh, as far as how you would respond uh, to this scenario, or you could come over to episode 167 if you wanted to. You can drop it in there as well. So here's the conflicted scenario for uh, Thursday. You were told by your scouts that a gang in a large caravan is headed your way, and your community leaders identify a choke point where you could easily kill them all. It is well known that the gang travels with women and children, and to ambush them would mean the death of innocents for sure. Your camps would be overwhelmed if you let them through due to their large numbers. Would you sacrifice their innocent in order to save yours? So again, scouts have identified a big gang is coming towards uh, towards your community. There's a choke point where you can kind of head them all off and kill them off. But it's known that this group uh, travels with women and children. And so the dilemma is... Uh, do you kill all these all this gang uh, with the women and children, or do you allow them to come through, knowing that if they come through and they come to your community, that they will totally wipe you out as well? So um, you know, it might be uh, a lot of people will look at that scenario and very easily say, "Oh yeah, of course I'd wipe them out." But you, there's a lot of things to consider there, right? So uh, think through that one. Come over to episode 167 and drop your, uh, you know, how you would answer the scenario, or come over to edthatmatters.com and drop the scenario over there, uh, you know, and see, let's see where, uh, you know, what people say uh, on on this one. So uh, very very interesting. That's uh, conflicted. Hey, there's a, a lot of cool stuff with um, that you can do with conflicted. I did a review on it a couple of years back. And so I'm going to link to it, uh, link to that review in uh, the show notes if you're interested in it, uh, because it might be a, a cool game that you can play with some of your friends, some of your guy friends, or even you know couples or whatever. Uh, just like, hey, this is just kind of fun. You know, what do you, what do you think? What would you do? And uh, it, it's kind of eye-opening 
sometimes what people would say. So I'm going to go ahead and link to that review. If you want to go, uh, there's a video there by Southern Prepper One that he's actually talking about um, how he used this for his group, his uh, preparedness group. All right. Hey, guys, thanks so much for listening to episode 167. If you get a chance, come over to the Facebook group. Hey, I need your help to give Barbara. We need to give her a nickname because Barbara is like the the wise prepper mom, <laughs> whatever, uh, at, uh, on, on uh, the Facebook group. She's always given us little tidbits that are very helpful to, to, uh, to remember and uh, to, keep, you know, to kind of open our eyes and give us different perspectives. And so, uh, you know, that's pretty cool. So I was like, I was joking around in the Facebook group and I said, hey, we need to come up with uh, like a, a cool name, you know, for, uh, for, uh, for Barbara. So anyway, come help us out. Give us, uh, give us an idea of what name to give Barbara, a little nickname there. So uh, the thing is, Barbara doesn't have a, a, a profile picture. So I don't know if she's old or she's young or, you know, she could be 27. I don't know. Barbara, you could be, I don't know, in your 60s. Um, but, uh, you know, we can call her wise prepper mom or wise old lady. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. So uh, <laughs> come help us out. Uh, we're we're going to give Barbara a nickname because uh, she's always given us some great, great information. So definitely the name's got to be around that. But anyway, come join the, the Facebook group. It's always great. There's uh, always good stuff going on over there. I'm very, uh, I got to tell you, I'm just proud. I'm proud of that group uh, that because, you know, people are, uh, they're cordial. They are, uh, they're open, you know, to people coming in and asking questions. And, and I've, I totally love that. Hey, if you get a chance, come over to episode 167 and drop me a line in the comments. I love to read comments and, uh, you know, uh, touch base with listeners out there. I really appreciate you guys. And if you, uh, if you want, you can definitely connect with me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, I always uh, love to connect there on social media as well. So with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until tomorrow, stay prepped and aware. Peace.